It's gorgeous out. Let's pop some dots. This is the Updog Podcast, a blend of upland and waterfowl hunting. Tune in as your hosts, Tyler Beaton, Jeff Ludicky, Matt Jeske, chat about training dogs and share their bird hunting stories, tactics, and strategies. Welcome back to the Up Duck Podcast, uh, where we talk everything from waterfowl to upland to dogs. That's the throughput of everything here. Uh, this is your first time. Thank you for tuning in. If you're returning, great. We've got another awesome episode for you. Uh, so let's get to that as fast as we can because we've got some awesome guests. Uh, quick introduction. So my name is Tyler Meaden. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined by my two esteemed co-hosts, the rooster assassin and mud motor maestro, Jeff Ludicky, and the Mississippi riverboat gambler himself, Matt Chesky. What's up, fellas? We're doing we're doing pretty good. I'm hanging in there today. I had a little bit of a cold from my daughter. Um, so this morning was rough, but I think I'll, I'll be able to push through tonight. Okay. All right. You look, you look okay. All right. That's good. I'm drinking water though. So usually I have a beer on this podcast and we start off by asking Jeff what type of beer he's drinking, but tonight it's just water. Just water. Got to stay hydrated. Yeah. 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 You do. Matt, uh, what are you carrying the, the beer flagship here tonight? Oh, Matt, you're muted. Oh no. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Uh oh. Well, he'll he'll come back. Uh oh. <laughs> I think his actually I think his audio died. Oh my. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm guessing no though, based on that. I can tell you that I'm drinking water as always here. And uh yeah. Matt, we'll um if you need to to jump out and jump back in, that's fine. We can we could probably edit this part out, but uh or not, we can just leave it in because we just roll with it. So We'll let Matt try to figure the technical stuff out while Jeff, let's um let's get our guests introduced. So Sounds tonight good. we have on uh two awesome guests here. I mentioned that before. Uh they are both conservation wardens here in Wisconsin. Uh they're based out of western Wisconsin. I'll let them tell a little bit more about themselves in just a second. So we have Megan Jensen and Matt Grappi. Uh so welcome, Megan, and welcome Matt to the Updog Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, look forward to chatting with you guys. Absolutely here. All right. Uh, Matt, are you back in? Maybe. Okay, we can we hear, hear you. you. Okay. Fantastic. Welcome back, Matt. Uh, all right. So, Megan, Matt, we always get started here. Just tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, where you're from, a little bit of background um, on, on growing up. Have you always been Wisconsinites? Um, is there anything else you want to share? Sure. I, I guess I'll go first. Megan's pointing at me. So, um, yeah, I, I've uh, lived in Wisconsin pretty much my whole life, aside from a couple uh, tours overseas, I guess, um, when I was when I was in the Army. But uh, I'm from Milwaukee originally. I've, I've been with the DNR for almost 16 years now as a conservation warden. Um, and I've been uh, working out of the lacrosse office for um, about five and a half years now. My previous uh, um, 10 years or so with the department was down in uh, in the southeast part of the state, Milwaukee, Waukesha primarily. Um, and then I, I transferred up here at the end of 2017 um, and have, have been out of the lacrosse office since. 
Yeah, so I um, I started a little bit later than that. I joined the department as a part-time warden in 2015 and then started full-time in 2016. I am stationed in Trempolo County, so right along the Mississippi River. I've been here um, ever since I was hired on full-time, and I'm originally from La Crosse, Wisconsin, so born and raised on the river and very excited that I get to call it my office now. Excellent. Excellent. Did, uh, did the two of you grow up hunting and fishing? So um, I grew up mainly fishing. I actually, I didn't get into hunting until I was um, um, a little bit older, I guess, or after I, after I joined the army um, and came back from basic training. Um, that was when I started getting into hunting, but growing up, I went fishing all the time. I grew up in Milwaukee. So going out salmon fishing on Lake Michigan, fishing the tributaries, for trout and salmon and then and then up north trips in the summer um my passion is uh was musky fishing i kind of fell in love with uh musky fishing from those uh, up north trips um and that's that's still my passion uh to this day but i i do a, i do a fair amount of hunting um as well yeah and so for me i mean i i grew up in a hunting and fishing family i mean ever since i was in diapers i've been around hunting and fishing. I mean, I have pictures of me as a kid sitting by animals my dad's harvested. Um, you know, he's he took pictures of them with me. Um, as soon as I was old enough to start hunting, I did. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I deer hunt, I um, pheasant hunt, grouse hunt, small, you know, small game hunt. I love waterfowl hunting. That's by far my favorite. Um, so I, I really enjoy hunting. This is my favorite time of year um, to be able to get out and do stuff. And then as far as fishing goes, I mean, I've been fishing since I was a little kid too. Um, fishing, my probably my favorite is uh, stream trout fishing. So I really like getting out and um, getting on the streams fishing for trout. That's awesome. Now, obviously being a conservation warden, it's gotta be, I mean, it sounds like you guys get out and hunt and fish, but a lot of times you're having to work during these busy times during the openers and things like that. Right. So is that, is that difficult for you guys to kind of navigate your passion for the outdoors and work all at the same time? So I think that's kind of a common misconception. I mean, yes, it's true that, you know, for like the gun deer season opener, waterfall openers, we have to work, but we also get out plenty. Um, you know, and sometimes I think it's, you know, actually a blessing in disguise because, we work a lot of weekends, but that means that we're off during the week and we can get out there, you know, when that, when that uh, north wind comes down, bringing a storm and moving birds down in the fall, and it's a Wednesday, we can get out on the river and go hunt ducks um, when there's not as many people out there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something where we have to make a sacrifice working some of those openers, but I would say... Um, you know, a lot of wardens are still able to get out and do the hunting and fishing activities that they're passionate about. And I mean, I still get out probably just as much now as I did prior to becoming a warden. So it's just um, prioritizing, adjusting um, your personal schedule around your work schedule. Now, what inspired the two of you to become conservation wardens? I Obviously, I would assume that you enjoyed, you know, were interested in law enforcement and then that paired with your passion for the outdoors kind of just fit perfectly. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, I think, I think for me, actually, it was, um, uh, when I was, uh, when I was pretty young, I remember, um, I was actually, I was out, I was out just fishing with my mom. I, I don't know if I was even 12 or 13 years old. And I remember 
uh, we had a couple of wardens come up and, and uh, check my mom's license. And uh, I remember like talking to her about it back then. Like, and she's explaining to me uh, what wardens do. And I mean, so at a fairly young age, I mean, it was probably the only career that I was like ever really seriously interested in. Um, and, and I guess so just the idea of like, you know, being out, uh, protecting the resources and, and then just being outdoors all the time and the job changing with the seasons. I mean, it was like, like once I started to learn more and more about it, it was like, it was, it was really the only career I ever seriously considered. Yeah. And then for me, becoming a warden was actually a career change for me. I worked as a recreation coordinator for about five years. Um, and I really enjoyed what I was doing, but I'd always had this interest in law enforcement and growing up in the outdoors. I really liked being outside and I actually met a warden from another state and he really encouraged me to go for a ride along. And so I did. And I absolutely loved the ride along I did with the warden. And from there, that just kind of got the ball rolling. I started going on more ride alongs, talking with more wardens about the career. And I actually ended up quitting a full-time job uh, to go to a law enforcement academy so I could um, become a conservation warden. So um, I kind of took a little bit different route than Matt, but it was the best decision I ever made. I absolutely love the job that I have, um, the work we do, like Matt said, you know, the seasons change, so does the workload. And I think that's one of the things that really keeps me going is that um, there's always something new and exciting around the next bend. That's a good, that's, I think that's a really good segue too into just like what, so you mentioned the the changing of the seasons, the changing of the workload. What is what does a normal day look like? like what what does it actually look like for you? Yeah, that it's a great question. And the the thing that we love, I think we both love about the job is that there's no two days that are alike. And um, you know, there very rarely do we have like a typical uh, or a, a normal day, I should say. And so, um, but generally, I, I you know, each season. You know, we're coming out of the summer where the majority of our workload is re revolves around uh, fishing, boating, and state lands enforcement at the at the state parks. Coming into the fall, obviously, the focus is going to be a lot on um, hunting enforcement. Uh, but being on the river, I mean, you still have a lot of fishing activity basically year round. Um, and then, you know, there's also um, you know, the ginseng enforcement, which is something that's fairly unique to this to this area. Um, and then, you know, as we move through the winter again in this area, you know, the river's attracting ice fishermen. Then we have our, our snowmobiling and then kind of as you roll in the spring, it all kind of just starts all over again where you, where you have the fishing and boating um, becoming the majority of our workload. Yeah. And the really cool thing about the conservation warden position and our um, wardens throughout the state is that each station in each area kind of has its unique um, needs and workloads. So, um, you know, Matt and I on the river, we do a lot of boating enforcement, spending time on the river, hunting, fishing. But then, I mean, you go just to the east of us in Jackson County, there's not as much water. So they're not spending as much time on the river. They still have some water, but um, their ATV and snowmobile usage is significantly higher than what Matt and I see in our counties. So each station's a little unique, but um, yeah, there's there's really no typical workday for us um, because it's, it's gonna depend on what's going on. I mean, 
in the spring when the walleye and sauger are below the dams, you know, that's going to be an increased workload. But then um, mm -hmm. and in the summers, we're maybe working more evenings um, during, you know, waterfall opener. We might be working really early morning stuff. We might be doing split shifts. So uh, we we adjust our schedule to meet the needs of our, our station. So each station's a little different. Each season's a little different. So um, I think that's one thing that we both really like, though, is that no days, no two days are the same. And um, we we get that flexibility to adjust to meet the needs of our station, what's going on at, for, for the season. So what I guess like how many hours do you, are you typically working in a in a week then? Um standard a standard week is is uh 40 hours. Um and we have we have two scheduled days off every every week. Um and so the the department's actually in my career and and in Megan's like we've noticed the department's gotten a lot better at promoting like work-life balance where you know we we we're scheduled off essentially every other weekend. Um and then we have one day off during the week uh we can adjust those days as as needed and then we have a uh an overtime allotment that that we can use each year and so like if you know there's certain we have to we have a policy that we have to follow on when we can work overtime um and everything but uh you know minimum 40 hours a week um you know with if you factor if you balance out the overtime throughout the year i think it would average out to like five to ten hours a week or or something like that um but yeah that's standard weeks of 40 hours and then the hours like the department doesn't set the hours that we work for the most part um there are some um some areas of the state where like uh sauk county for example you have i think there's eight wardens assigned to sauk county but they also uh do the all the law enforcement at devil's lake state park and so during peak season like in the summer then they're actually working um assigned shifts at at the park but like the, how like the, the hours that we set um that's that's up to each warden to set their own schedule i've been to devil's lake a couple times in the summer and it is unbelievable how many people come in and out of that park every day crazy it's, it's wild <laughs> it is it is yeah I, i've only been there once and it was a weekday and it was bananas bananas matt jesky haven't you been there multiple times yeah we go probably twice a year typically found recently that weekdays are definitely better than Saturday mornings, especially during the summer. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes, I guess that makes sense. Um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so like in your, are you spending the majority of your time? It sounds like you spend a lot of time in a boat, but like in a vehicle, on a boat, on foot, like what is, what does that breakdown look like? Yeah, so it, I mean, it's it's really going to vary. Um, again, it's going to kind of vary by time of year and station needs. Um, you know, in addition to the river, we still have in, inland responsibilities, inland waters and stuff. So um, in the summer, we are spending a lot of time on the boat, but we will patrol um, by our, our patrol vehicles as well. Um, so it, it's pretty balanced um but i would say that it probably depends kind of on the time of year we're definitely in a boat more in the summer than we are in the the fall and winter but you know when the snowmobile trails are open um we'll get on snowmobiles and go patrol the uh, the trails and such but um yeah so i guess it, it really varies yeah i think i think one of the big things like that's i guess unique as a conservation warden compared to like you know other 
like more traditional law enforcement agencies is that like um you know like if you're so like like there's me and one other warden assigned to lacrosse county and then megan has like almost all the trempolo county to herself and like as wardens like we have very limited support staff um you know for our like like if you if you work in a sheriff's office or something you have you know records personnel you have um you know uh personnel that assist with like filing reports and and doing a lot of the other administrative tasks well like in our in our department like a lot of that administrative work does fall on us um and so if you have if you have a busy weekend and let's say a, a summer weekend um you know one of the big focuses like on boating enforcement if you end up making a couple boating owi arrests um well then you're gonna have a fair amount of paperwork to to follow up on uh during during the week and and so there's there is some workload associated with that i mean it's not uh that's probably one of the biggest things that is uh i guess maybe a um reality check to some people like coming into the career you know it's it's not as much time out in the field as as we would always like because we do have you know a lot of the a lot of the administrative work on on the back end and then one one cool thing i try and tell people too about our our conservation warden our field warden position is that um you know for like matt he has a partner in lacrosse county i cover all of Trempolo County, except for three townships, is covered by another warden. So in, in our administrative areas, we're the patrol officer. We're investigating um, complaints. So we're kind of the investigator as well for our administrative area. Um, we're going to safety classes, so like hunter safety or trapper education courses, and doing the uh, rules and regulations presentation during those classes. We'll go out to... Um, different um public relation events so we're really wearing a lot of hats where say like a a police department or a sheriff's department might have staff for each of those areas um, within our administrative area we wear a lot of different hats so um which is really good because it allows us to get out and interact with different people but um, if we get a complaint that um say coming up here in the deer season that someone um shot a deer off the road at night with a spotlight and we have to investigate that that might take up some of our time where we might not be able to get out on the river or on um, state wildlife properties to do our general patrol because we're now investigating that complaint so we wear quite a few hats and um are um so that's where some of that workload can vary too yeah, it's great. It sounds like you got a nice variety is although I'm I'm sure you guys probably don't enjoy the paperwork part of it, but uh, being able to get out and do a little oh, well. bit different things every day is probably kind of nice, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, like, like, you get, you get comfortable with it, I would say, uh, at, you know, at a certain point, but I mean, definitely like, like writing reports. Um, and, and uh, you, I guess you learn, you learn how to be efficient with a lot, a lot of that stuff um and uh yeah i mean like Megan was saying with the investigations like you know some of these you know you could you could pull up uh articles on like you know uh thrill kill cases you know or or any other like bigger investigations and yeah i mean like a lot of those a lot of those cases that you might read about you know those are generally like several wardens working together um and and you know doing the investigative work ourselves um you know whereas like if you're working another agency um you know you might 
you, you might encounter something and then that gets passed on to a detective. And we do have investigative positions in, in our department, but the majority of the investigations we, uh, we get to handle on, on our own. Yeah, that's cool. It is. I'm going to, I'm going to, so I, I have a question here. Cause you mentioned like, uh, you know, shooting a deer at night with a spotlight, you two are both in big buck country, um, in Western Wisconsin, you're like in the part of the, like the prime spot there. I imagine there's, there's like the number of investigations related to, to incidents with deer skyrockets this time of year. Yeah, we get, uh, we get, uh, quite a few complaints like throughout the fall. And, and I think the, you know, one of the big things that about, on like about that is like a lot of times it's, um, um, you know, the gun season is busy. I mean, that's when people are, that's when everybody's out. Um, but, uh, generally a lot of times, like for us, uh, we don't hear about stuff until after the gun season. And, and, you know, a lot of times like December and January, can be some of our busiest months because we're um you know there's there's i mean one two or two three wardens per county in some cases and and so it's like i mean the reality is like chances are we're we're just not going to catch people red-handed but where we catch them is after the fact and and with um you know getting come uh citizens to call stuff in and report violations you know when they 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 hear about a violation, they call and report us, and when, then we're able to follow up on stuff out after the fact. Um, and that's where, I guess, kind of the next area of our job that uh, Megan talked about a little bit, like with the hunter safety classes and other like uh, public relations events. One of the other cool things about the job is like, that's where you really get to build good relationships in the community. And the better the relationships in the community, the better information you get reported to you as as a warden and people feel comfortable you know it's not it's not warden jensen or warden grappy it's matt and megan and they're comfortable calling us and 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 talking to us about illegal stuff that's going on yeah i think that that's so important for everyone to feel comfortable around you guys and not not have this whole you know oh here comes the warden you know hide run you know everybody should feel comfortable talking to you guys and being able to call and file a complaint and just know that you guys are here to help and that you're, you love the outdoors and love spending time in it just as much as we do. Tyler and Jeff, do you know your warden in your, uh, your county? I don't, I don't. I think there's two of them in Waukesha County, but I, I have not had any run-ins with the wardens here in Waukesha County. I, I have, I have, I got checked during gun deer season on a public land hunting spot that I was hunting. Um, but I do not remember, uh, the, I, I do not remember the name. I don't at all. <laughs> I should probably, I should probably know that. Yeah. I mean, growing up in Waukesha, I never knew, knew the wardens from fishing or hunting, but as soon as I moved over to, to Iowa, like I've got my local, I mean, there's two in our county, but I've got my local contact, the one that everybody's really good friends with, friends, I say, like in my phone, because I've had to call them for stuff before, either questions or uh, like some some questionable activity that had to get called in. So like I have a cell phone in my phone. I was just checking if I had both or the one. I was curious if you guys too did too. So I have a question for you then, Matt, is how how did you get to know 
your your conservation warden? Like, how did how did you become come friends and and basically have his number on speed dial in case you needed? All the years of walk-in spots. Uh, he doesn't have a boat to patrol typically, so meet him at the parking lot more okay. than one time. Okay. Yeah, never had a problem. It was always super nice to talk to about stuff. Um, so once you learn that, and then you do have a question about like where one zone ends or you know some some property line question or whatever it's just easier to call him than than call any other office no and you're 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 leading me here to to like thinking i really need to get in touch with with the a couple of words in walk because i'm trying to hunt more public land like that's how the direction i'm starting to move and i have some questions on specific pieces of land that i'm a little bit confused about and i would love some clarification so okay yeah. All right. Yeah. Taking, I'm taking notes here. I'll write that down. Awesome. Um, what, so, so like how, I guess for, for Megan and Matt, like how, what would you recommend for people so that they feel more comfortable around, around you? Right. I mean, like Matt, Jeff and I, we all buy our licenses. We read the regs, but I, you know, I, I guess for me, I might still feel a little, a little twinge of nervousness, even though I'm not trying to do anything wrong. I'm trying to follow all the rules and regs. I think I am. How do I, how do I feel less nervous around, around game wardens? I uh, just remember to breathe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, honestly, like I, I think, um, you know, just, we always enjoy talking to people when, when we're out. And so I think like, you know, you get, you get your license checked or, or whatever the, you know, whatever the case is. I mean, any of those questions that you have, um, I mean, I know it's always, it's always tough, right? Like the, the warden shows up and it's like, oh, I was thinking of asking this or that, but then they're here. I can't think of it. Um, you know, feel free to always ask for the warden's number, ask them for a business card and say like, Hey, I was really, I had a question. I can't think of it right now. Do you have a card? I can call you later when I think of it. We're always happy to hand out business cards. I go through a lot of them, um, you know, during the uh, during the hunting seasons and stuff. When I'm checking a lot of people, just reminding them, um, you know, if they see any illegal activity, I, I want people to have my card. If they can't, you know, if I don't answer my phone, I'm busy or whatever. Um, I remind them they can call that DNR tip line and they'll get a hold of somebody that's that's out there uh, working. But yeah, I mean that's. Um, you know, don't, I, I guess that's the biggest thing. I mean, don't be afraid to initiate a conversation and, and ask whatever questions you have. Yeah. Andy, kind of, oh, go ahead, Megan. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, I, I realize that for a lot of people, it is intimidating to approach a, a uniformed officer, but I mean, really at the end of the day, you know, Matt and I and the rest of the wardens in the state and around the country, you know, we're people too. We got into this job because we like to spend time outdoors. We, um, I can't speak for everyone else, but I know Matt and I, we really like to talk with um, sportsmen who are out there. So I, I know the uniform can be a little bit intimidating, but at the end of the day, you know, we put our pants on just like everyone else. So it's um, like Matt said, like, you know, don't be afraid to come and talk with us. Um, we love engaging with the people um, from, I guess, my experience, people like to talk with wardens. Um, very regularly, um, you know, we'll be at a boat landing or a hunting property and we'll have people come up and talk with us, which is wonderful. We absolutely love that. Um, but even stopping into the gas station and stuff, I mean, more times than not, people come up and um, do uh, strike up conversations with us. So it's great to see people do that. And for folks who are maybe a little nervous or hesitant to 
approach us, um, you know, just know that we really enjoy that. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, I was going to kind of piggyback off of Tyler's question, you know, about, you know, being approached by a warden, obviously breathing is important. Um, but, you know, with both parties having firearms, if you would be approached by a warden in the field, you know, what advice could you give somebody to, to make sure that that encounter was safe as well, with firearms and possibly with dogs that could be aggressive too? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think um, probably the most frequent one ones that we deal with on the river are, are the duck hunters. And I guess each contact is a little bit different. I mean, um, you know, and, and generally, I mean, it's, um, you know, as long as the firearms pointed in a safe direction, I mean, we, um, you know, we may need to check the firearm, make sure um, there's a plug in it uh, or, or it's not capable of holding more than three shells and in that uh, scenario. And, and I guess the, the uh, basic, uh, and basically all we do is we just tell people do whatever the warden says. I mean, maybe, maybe we're not there to check licenses. Maybe we're looking for, uh, um, we're investigating a complaint or something, looking for a specific persons. So we may not even ask to look at the firearms. Yeah. So in our hunter safety classes, when we go in and, uh, talk with the students, uh, regarding the regulations and stuff, um, one of the things that I know I always tell them, or uh, talk to them about is what to do if approached by a warden or any law enforcement. Um, and it, that's always, a, like Matt said, always point to you know, a firearm or even a crossbow or a bow in a safe direction. Um, and then just follow our directions because like Matt said, we may be there to do a, a, a standard check um, or maybe we got a complaint about someone um, and we're wondering if, you know, if the person we're contacting has seen them or maybe, um, you know, there, there's some other reason why we're contacting them. So the best best course of action is just point in a safe direction and then follow our directions and go from there. Uh, the other thing too is, you know, like I mentioned before, when people see um, people, you know, officers in uniform, they can get nervous, even if they're doing absolutely nothing wrong. And we don't want someone to try to start unloading a gun and get nervous and actually, you know, have an accidental discharge. And then as a warden too, you know, especially with waterfall hunters, you know, we don't know if maybe they're trying to conceal evidence of lead shot that was in their gun or, or something like that, too. So, uh, yeah, best course of action is just to, um, you know, be safe and follow our directions and we'll go from there. I, I like the, the piece of advice about not unloading the firearm, too, because I think the last time that I the, the last time I was I was approached by by a warden, it's like my, my inclination is like, OK, I need to unload the gun right now. And it's, it's like as you said before matt breathe <laughs> just breathe yeah. go I mean, have we, a conversation <laughs> yeah we get to nervousness aspect i mean like you know you like you're if you're driving on the interstate you pass a trooper or a deputy running radar like everybody's gonna look down and make sure that they're you know driving the appropriate speed so it's just it's it's normal but uh yeah. uh now we get it honestly a lot of times the warden whoever whoever it is that's uh checking licenses i mean we we don't like to like, you know, be in a monotonous routine either. So we'll probably, a lot of cases, we're probably going to break the ice and, and, you know, comment on, on someone's, uh, uh, ask them about their gear or their dog, or, you know, you know, we always enjoy seeing dogs when we're out checking people. I think that was the second part of your question, but especially, uh, you know, the friend, friendly dogs, uh, you know, want to jump in our boat, always enjoy petting them. It's a nice, nice morale boost when you're checking a hundred licenses in a day to, to um to see a dog that's that's friendly 
Well, if I'm if I'm ever hunting up uh, up in your neck of the woods on the river, I've got one that will jump in the boat and lick you to death. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I'm I'm still hung up on the fact that I don't know my know my local wardens. I, I gotta well, I gotta I can, get on that. I can tell you one of them in Waukesha. Well, I can tell you actually two. I think there's there's probably three in Waukesha County right now. So a uh, long story, essentially when I was talking about the enforcement at the state parks, we used to have park rangers that did mm-hmm. the law enforcement at, at our state parks. Well, several years ago they transitioned. And so now the wardens uh, do all the law enforcement on, on the state park properties. Um, and so they added some positions like where in Waukesha, you have the Southern Kettle. Um, so they added, um, to, uh, one warden position there technically and and um, then they added uh, one or two in in Walworth County so actually two of the guys in in Waukesha County are former recruits of mine that I train uh, Dan Hodge and then Blaine Zarek uh, is is another one okay hmm. writing it down I gotta look him up because I think I might have went to high school with Blaine Oh, you went to, you went to high school with Blaine and I went to Muskego. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I haven't heard that name in a very long time. Yeah, he's actually. Uh, I think I believe he's covering Vernon Marsh down there too. So oh, sure. He's probably one of the probably the busiest waterfall spot in Washington. Yeah, yeah, sure. definitely. Well, I guess Big Muskego is pretty busy as yeah, well. Yeah, big, big. Well, any nowadays it's very busy. Okay. All right, so so uh, what I'm what I'm hearing is, uh, you may have Blaine's number, Matt Jeske. I think he was a little bit. He might have been older than me, but okay, it, it's out there. Okay, okay, all right. This is good. This is, I'm feeling better already. Feeling, feeling a lot better already. Other otherwise, too. Uh, if you guys head to our DNR website too, you're able to look in our staff directory and uh, look up the local wardens for whatever area you're you're living in or recreating into. Um, and then one thing too is, you know, we tell folks if they're, um, if they are seeing a violation and maybe they're in a different county that they don't live in or don't normally work in too, we have our violation hotline number where if they want to report a violation, they can call that. And our dispatchers will get that information to the local warden for the area where the complaint is. So, um, yeah, that kind of that kind of rolls into the the next topic about you know rules and regulations. You're talking about you know all the resources out there on the internet. You know, what is the best way for someone to ensure that they're up to date on all the latest rules and regulations as well? Is is the DNR website the best place for that? Yeah, it's going to be. So our regulations um, are all going to be on our DNR website. Um, it is a, a phenomenal resource. There's a lot of information on there. Um, when our regulations come out each year, they're always going to be on the website before they're available in print. Um, and then if for some reason they go to print and we find, oh, there's an error in something, we're not going to reprint the paper copies, but they will update the online version. Um, the nice thing about that is they're all in a PDF form, so you can download them. Most people have smartphones and they can carry them around on their phone um, with them when they're out in the field. So. Yeah, the DNR website is the go-to place for um, reviewing those regulations. 
Now, paper copies, if someone doesn't like to use the internet, I don't know, or doesn't have a phone, what are, what are some of the common areas that somebody could get the regulations on uh, via paper copy? Yeah, those are generally going to be at DNR service centers or at licensing agents, uh, so places that sell licenses. Okay, so hardware stores, Walmarts, places like that probably. Yep, as, yep. as long as they're um, set up as a, a licensing agent with the DNR, they should have at least the main regulations. Um, you know, some some areas like maybe getting more into like some of the specific fishing regulations, like um, the spearing and netting they might not have, but the general fishing, hunting regulations, um, all our licensing agents should have those unless unless they were a hot commodity and they're, they're had, they had to order more or something. But one of the things that's, that I guess is important to point out with the regulations, so like I'm sure you guys remember, um, this is only a few years ago, three years ago, I think we had multiple regulation pamphlets for like, you know, you had your deer regulations, you had your uh, waterfowl regs, you had, you know, you had all these, you had your small game regulations. So like basically what the state did uh, was, or the department combined all those into one booklet um, just to simplify things because there's like, for example, in your deer regulations, your small game um, and your waterfall. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different areas where like we were reprinting the same information. Um, and, and so like your general lists, like in the front of the regulation booklets where, you know, of things you can't do, uh, a lot of that information was being duplicated. And so an effort to simplify things, you'll find that we have one primary book that covers, you know, we have bear regulations in there, deer hunting, we have uh, migratory bird, waterfowl, uh, small game, it's all in all in one booklet now. Awesome. Reducing confusion and reducing uh, people having excuses for why they're not following the rules, right? It's all in one place now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really nice having it all in one and then you don't have to worry about carrying around, you know, four different regulation books. Um, the other thing too that I try and tell people is, you know, after reading the regulations, if they still have some questions, we have a phenomenal customer service um, line that people can call to. Um, you know, Matt and I love getting calls from from citizens with their questions, but sometimes we're, you know, it might be a day off or we're doing interviews and we can't always answer our phone. Um, we do have the DNR customer service line that is staffed um, every day and they are that is their response, you know, their job is to answer those questions too. So, you know, we encourage people if, if they read the regulation book and they go, huh, I need some clarification on this, you know, to give that customer service um, number a call to seek additional information on, on a rule or law clarification. There, there might be something like, you know, that, you know, the general customer service line, I mean, they route those calls all over the state. So, you know, you, you could end up talking to somebody in Green Bay who might not know some, you know, they, they may not be as familiar with, you know, regulations on the Mississippi River, for example. And so if they're not sure, then they'll just put them, they'll, they'll just put the customer in touch with whoever the local warden is. Um, but, you know, there's other questions where the customer service over, I actually know the answers in some cases better than us, like, you know, boat titling questions and things. Uh, and vehicle registrations that we may not necessarily, we don't deal with the details day in and day out like they do. So in some cases, the customer service line will be, might be their best route. 
Yeah, I know I've personally used the chat feature before on the DNR's website. And that was, that was nice to have, you know, just, I could just go on during work and ask somebody a question via the the chat. So that was, I personally have used that and enjoyed that. That was nice. Good. Um, so I kind of want to talk about some of the, the fun stuff. <laughs> um, obviously we're in the, the waterfall in the upland space. So we're talking about rules and regulations. What is, what is what some of the most common We'll, we'll call them innocent mistakes um, that you find hunters making specifically waterfowlers and upland hunters. I, I think, I think probably the biggest thing is um, licensing. I, I would say is probably one of the more common things, um, you know, especially for people that might be new to like waterfowl hunting, um, you know, they're, they're going out and, and I, as you guys know, I mean, you have to have uh, your state stamp, your federal stamp, your HIP certification, your small game license. Um, and, you know, if they're, if they're hunting geese, then they need those permits. And, and then signing the stamps, uh, or signing the federal stamp, rather. Um, you know, so I think for somebody who's new to the sport, um, like we're, we recognize like there's a lot of different things to, to keep track of and, and, uh, when, when people go out. And so I, I would say that's probably the most common thing that we, that we run into, um, are some of those, uh, licensing violations. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's funny because we often get asked like, what's the most common violation we run into in it, you know, each, each, I guess, hunting area or fishing area kind of has its own unique, um, you know, violation, um, I guess, you know, what violations we encounter the most and it can vary from year to year. I mean, yeah, I think Matt's right, you know, licensing, especially at the beginning of the season, when people are first going out, they might forget to do, you know, their hip certification or get that, that state stamp or the federal stamp. But, um, you know, one thing too, we'll see, um, is, you know, folks took their waterfall gun to use turkey hunting and forgot to put the plug back in. Um, you know, we've seen that. And then, um, with, some folks who may not know uh, their duck ID very well might shoot, um, you know, more more than what the bag limit allows, you know, especially, you know, right now with some, you know, like with pintails and stuff um, only being a bag limit of one, um, you know, so I think it's, you know, I think we see probably a little bit of everything, but yeah, probably licensing is probably going to be, um, you know, towards the top of that list. And this will come out, this episode will probably air a couple of weeks after the teal season opener, but I'm sure you guys probably run into a lot of, uh, well, hopefully not a lot of, but I'm sure some wood ducks end up being shot during that time too, for people that aren't ID in their birds properly. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's definitely some, you know, non-teal species that get shot um, during the teal season, but, you know, in my experience over the last few years, um, I can't speak for Matt, but uh, at least in my station, folks have been very, very good, um, very cognizant of what they're they're shooting at and um, are aware of what teal look like versus some of the bigger ducks. So um, folks on, at least in my area, have done a pretty good job with that. That's good. That means the education part of it's working, right? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I would I would agree. I mean, I, we've from what we've seen, compliance has been has been pretty good. Um, and what we tell people is that, like, if they do make a mistake, call and let us know. And, um, 
and rather than you know hoping it'll go away or or trying to resolve it some other means best thing to do is just call and self-report and we'll work through it good it's real good um so jeff what other fun stuff you want to ask uh, this is this is the fun part here <laughs> do you guys have any do you have any funny kind of odd things that you've encountered in the field it might not even have been a rules regulation violation but just some some sort of goofy stories that you might want to share um yeah i mean well yeah <laughs> um do you want to tell them the car door story sure. yeah so <laughs> if we got time this is probably it's a it's a i guess kind of a case summary case story but it's probably one of the one of the more interesting cases that i've worked on in my career and maybe for matt too but it actually um, it was from 2022. It was actually opening day of uh, the teal season and early goose season. So September 1st, 2022, Matt and I were actually working together and we were, we were in Trempolo County and we were patrolling, um, working field hunters for geese and then decided to go down to one of the boat landings um, on the river. And we pulled in and there were two car doors laying in the parking lot. Um, which seemed a little odd. So we, um, you know, the, we put on our investigator hats and, um, looked into them a little bit more, asked some of the hunters who had been there, you know, there've been, um, guys out scouting for the teal season, uh, the few days before. So we were kind of able to lock down a time frame of when these doors got dumped and we were able through, um, using some of our investigative skills, we were able to actually track down a suspect of who we thought dumped the doors. And then um, the next day, well, I got, we got some information too that this person might have some other DNR violations, uh, deer hunting related from the previous year. So, you know, we thought we had kind of a standard, um, you know, hunting case with a littering case. And then the next day I got information that someone had tried to break into some of the self-payment boxes at Pro State Park in Trempolo. Well, again, doing our investigation, we connected um, our suspect who dumped the car doors, we believed was our suspect for trying to break into these lock boxes. So um, fast forward a couple of weeks, Matt and I go and interview the individual and they admit to dumping the car doors. Um, we find out that they've been hunting and fishing while their uh, DNR privileges had been suspended. Um, they failed to register some deer and they were responsible for uh, trying to break into the self-payment boxes at the state park. So um, that individual was still suspended at the time we went and talked with them and it was opening day of archery season and they were dressed in full camo and had a sled full of hunting gear ready to go. And <laughs> once it came out that they were suspended, which we already, had, we knew that, you know, they told us that they weren't actually going to go hunting that day. They were just going to go scouting. So, you know, we talked with them. We explained to them that they were going to get a couple tickets and um, some uh, charges referred to the DA's office for the criminal behavior. And Matt and I went on our way. But then fast forward a little bit. and I'll let Matt take over this part of the story. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's 10 days later. Um uh, we're both down in, in Madison, um, and uh, I 
I get a call from a sheriff's deputy and they had a complaint on the same person that was, uh, uh, that he was out at one of the local gun clubs shooting a muzzleloader. Um, and, uh, I'm like, well, you know, he's a felon, right. <laughs> and, uh, can't have a firearm. And so then, um, you know, fast forward a, a little bit, we're like, we leave Madison, we drive up there and, uh, they go and they, uh, one of the deputies goes to his house to contact him about, about, uh, being at this gun club. They had a trespass issue on top of him being a felon with a firearm, um, and so the deputy goes to his house, knocks on the door, and as one of the relatives at the house says, oh, he's out hunting along the bike trail. Um, and so, so we get up there and uh, we, we end up, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, Megan, myself, uh, one of the other wardens, um, the other warden in La Crosse County, and, and, and then a few, a few sheriff's deputies at this point, because they're like, okay, we know he's hunting somewhere along the bike trail. His privileges are revoked. Um, he had all these uh, other issues. He's got a kind of a long criminal history on top of it. And so we walk in and, and then we actually end up finding him uh, hunting along the bike trail. He's got a bait pile out. Um, and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> like, it's like right at, at dark. And he's a bigger guy. Um, I, I think he's probably six, four and probably like around two fifty, And he's like trying to hide standing next to a tree. And so I yell at him, <laughs> come out. And, um, and then, so yeah, this bait pile was like literally right in front of him. Um, and like, as we're talking to him, like something's off with him. So we obviously we're just want to be safe on our end. And so we, uh, check him for other weapons and stuff. Well, he's, a uh, um, He's also a drug user. He had a syringe in his front uh, pocket of his hooded sweatshirt. Um, so that's a little unnerving. <laughs> you pat somebody down and they got a, a syringe in their front pocket. Um, so as as we're we're talking to him about the hunting violations, um, Megan notices uh, a glow, uh, a green glow on the other side, like the bike trail runs right along the railroad track. She notices this green glow um coming from the other side of the railroad tracks and she's like asks him like oh what's that and and he's like uh i don't know what he, he's like <laughs> he's like oh that that's fine i shot at a rabbit he had his, his luminox, <laughs> uh sticking out yeah on the other side of the tracks and then so megan goes and grabs the arrow and it's covered in deer hair and blood and uh he, and then he, he says oh i just hit it in the leg or something like that and and yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't kill it. Um, well, long story short, we ended, we ended up uh, uh, that night. We ended up arresting him. We booked him in a jail for being the felon in possession. Um, and then Trevor goes back out there the next day and is looking for the deer. And he found it. He shot a doe, and he never went to go look for it or anything. Um, and then um, come to find out, like to make it even better at one of the other state properties in La Crosse County, um, we also had somebody that was breaking in to our uh, storage container that we had there, uh, where, um, where one of, where our staff keeps some of their equipment. Um, and then there's a, um, a chain on one of the gates. Well, he was the same guy that was responsible for cutting a lock on the storage container and breaking that chain on, on a gate. And so the department did a press release on the story uh, earlier, earlier this year once the case was finally um 
uh, resolves. And I, I don't remember what all the penalties are that he got. I know he spent at least six months in jail um, for the, for that. And he's, he's got, uh, he's out of several years of probation, like five years of probation. Um, he's got to go through like drug treatment court. And, um, and then obviously his hunting fishing privileges and some, a bunch of the equipment was confiscated and the privileges were revoked as well. Yeah. That's, that's wild. <laughs> so, I mean, this, this case, like I, like I said at the beginning of this very long <laughs> synopsis, this was probably one of the more interesting ones, but you know, it all started by Matt and I being out on just general patrol during the, the early goose and teal opener and then finding these dump car doors. Um, and that just it literally led us on, you know, this path that opened up um, the floodgates for a lot of other violations and connections to these other, um, some of them crimes that had occurred. Um, and one thing that we've really credited is the cooperation and communication with the other agencies in the area. Um, we worked with the staff from Trumplow County Sheriff's Department, La Crosse County Sheriff's Department, uh, Trumplow Police Department. Um, trying to think if there's any so, other. Like on, on Alaska PD was involved, like in in some of it. You know, they it was the same same guy who like uh, the previous winter. Uh, he had been going around and breaking into ice shacks that were out on Lake on Alaska. Uh, and so just, just a lot. And I, I mean, when you look at his criminal history, there's just a lot of like, um, thefts and, and, uh, you know, breaking into, uh, uh, you know, other, other lock boxes or coin boxes and, and stuff like that. And, and, um, so it's, it, it was like, you know, we had all these kind of things come up at once and it was like, like, you know, you get a report of some property damage and it's like, you know, it's really hard to catch some of those people in those cases and just have it line up where it's the same guy responsible for all these different incidents um, and, and to actually, actually catch them like that. It was, it was uh, pretty nice to, um, to have that resolved that way. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like some awesome teamwork from all parties involved. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, just to have it start with car doors. Now, was it, was it safe to say this guy at one point in time was driving around without his car doors or did he have a different color paint doors? Like what, what was going yeah. on with the car doors? So that, that's a, that's a great question. And that actually led, led us into um, letting another agency know about some violations. So while I was, while we were working on the investigation, I went to a salvage yard where the individual said they had, got new doors for their car and went and talked with them to try and you know establish a time frame and while I was talking with the salvage yard they said I never sold those I never sold that type of door to anyone and they went out found the car that the doors were removed from so they were stolen from the salvage yard as well so, so <laughs> to add to add on to the list of charges so then when we arrested him that night when he was when he shot that doe um uh, Trempolo, like we're out in La Crosse County and Trempolo PD came down and they actually, they impounded the vehicle because he had stolen doors on, on the, on the car. <laughs> oh, that's great. That reminds me of that trailer park boys show where the, the one guy at Ricky just drives his car around with no, no front doors on it. <laughs> that's all I'm picturing this guy driving around without any doors on the front of his car. That's awesome. Yeah, no, he, he had doors and that's where I say like that, 
you know, the communication and inner, you know, interagency cooperation and stuff really made this, I mean, really for all the agencies involved, um, made it a, a good case, um, you know, and even, you know, for that, the time when um, we found him hunting, you know, that was, that was awesome that the La Crosse County Sheriff's Department reached out to us to let us know that and loop us back in because um, I can't remember if Matt mentioned this or not, but even the location where he was hunting was actually a close to hunting like no hunting was allowed in that location baiting baiting's not legal um or wasn't at least at the time and it still isn't i don't think in, in lacrosse county so like literally you know multiple things wrong so um you know that we work a lot with other agencies and so um you know this was i guess a prime example of how we work together um for the common good yeah that's that that's really cool the story has so many layers. It it's, just it just it keeps really going. Does. Yeah, like I thought you were going to be done, and you just kept going. And yeah. it just it's like it's still going. just the list of charges is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I will say it's on a I guess positive note so far. Um, since so so he served his time, and with the drug treatment court and stuff, at least to my knowledge, he hasn't been arrested again. Um, and so like. Keep, we're keeping our and like I, I told him at one point like that you know like, like we don't want to deal with people like in those cases right like obviously we want to catch them when they're doing stuff wrong and and hold them accountable but it's like we don't you know we don't look forward to like you know taking people to jail and all that stuff and so it's like like thankfully like it's he seems to be staying out of trouble at this point so yeah. so that's a positive note well, and that's got to make you guys feel good as well that, you know, maybe maybe this is what he needed to turn his life around, you know, getting caught doing all these illegal activities. It sounds like may have been the best thing for him, honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he did mention that at one point I saw him afterwards that uh, like, you know, he thanked me because him being in 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 jail, he was able to get clean. And mm -hmm. you know, with the drug treatment and stuff, he's able, you know, the, I'm sure they're uh, testing regularly as part of that. And and so that's helping. I'm hopefully helping them stay clean. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for sharing that story. That's, that's, that's something that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. It was a lot. Yeah, but it's, no, it's, I enjoyed it. No, that was, that was fantastic. That was that's that was why we, we were looking at each other. Like, should we tell the car door story? Yes. <laughs> Glad you did. Yes. Yes. That was good. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. I know you got another question. Well, I was going to say, do you want to kind of throttle back now and start talking about maybe the not so fun stuff, the safety? That was our next topic that we have. <laughs> 